Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the central division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and I am joined by my dude Tony, aka Tony on Tap, and we're here to recap the Chicago Sox victory over the Kansas City Royals nine to one. Before we do that, be sure you're going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap at Ontap Sportsnet. Following Tony at Tony on tap and me at buzz on tap anywhere. You can listen to podcasts. You can listen to us five-star rating and review. Cause that's cool and tough. And if you need any awesome white Sox gear, go to grandstand, check them out on socials, grandstand socks, grandstandsocks.com. If you're at the ballpark, stop by, get yourself a cool Jersey, Jersey, whatever the hell you want a hat, go find it at grandstand. Tony nine to one victory over the Royals. Shit was cool and tough. I got the victory beer. You cracked yours already. I'm going to mm-hmm. crack mine. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Buzz. Uh, it's always great to talk about wins, man. And uh, we're going to do that again tonight. Talk about another White Sox winner. Those are my favorite. Saturday night, beers, victory beers. Let's break down a victory, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Crooked numbers. That's what you got in the first. And that's that's something you're a big, big fan of. And I know that, you know, just from talking on the, on the show with you all the time. Big, big fan of crooked numbers. Sox come out in the top of the first inning today, dude. No looking back. Eight runs scored. Starts off with a Tim Anderson single to a, a Madrigal. Single gets Tim to second base. Mankata comes up, hits what I thought was going to be a three-run <laughs> three home run off the bat there. You know, the Sox immediately go up 2-0. Um, Abreu is able to get Mankata over to, um, to third Grandal hits a sacrifice fly, gets a, you know, RBI there. And then Vaughn, I mean, dude, it was just amazing. Mercedes gets on base Vaughn doubles. I thought he had that ball too. Um, it was absolutely amazing. I thought Vaughn was going to hit his first home run tonight. Lurie Garcia triples to deep right, which scores Vaughn. Danny Mendick comes up, scores Lurie. I mean, it was just, it was all around. It was fantastic. Anderson and Madrigal get on base again. Mankata singled the center. It scores both of them. And that stopped the scoring in the first. That was a lot of scoring I just went over. That's eight runs. Eight runs, first inning. That's Johnny's favorite number, too, man. He's, he loves the count. He loves eight. We were just talking about eight the other day on Four Feathers Podcast. That's his That's his favorite number, uh, eight, I think. It, it's it's a big Johnny thing, but man, it's, it's great to put up the crooked numbers buzz. Like you mentioned there, because I mean, you come in as a starting pitcher, man, and you've already got, you know, two, three runs. Awesome. When you're dealing, when you're dealing with eight runs out of, out of your offense in the first, like you've got a lot of room for error. You've got to be really comfortable taking the mound there in the first. If you're Lance Lynn, that was an excellent start to this ball game buzz. And I mean, that's all they really needed because when you can put up eight runs in one inning, uh, majority of the time you're going to win that game unless your defense is absolutely terrible. Um, and, and the White Sox defense has been great over this last stretch. This is just another way to beat uh, a ball club, and they did it all via one inning. I, I don't know about you, man, um, from the sense of entertaining baseball, I mean, the rest of the game can kind of drag out there a little bit for you um, offensively when the stocks are at bat like that. But I love the big inning, man. When you see the offense just click like that, a whole time through the order. That's just so exciting. Well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Eight runs in an inning is definitely going to be exciting baseball, but what kept the game exciting was Lance Lynn doing what Lance Lynn does. That was absolutely fantastic. I mean, he goes through, you know, six, or I'm sorry, five innings here today. <clears throat> he lets up one hit tone. He does end up walking four, but he strikes out six, 90 pitches on his count today, but did what he had to do. It, it's another game where, our starting pitching doesn't allow any anything to hurt them, and to hurt the team, and it, it's just fantastic to see. You know, I, I I can't lie to you. As much as I hate Kansas City, I never look at them like a threat, right? You know, 
they were playing well in the beginning of the season, but they don't scare me or anything like that. But God, poor, poor Daniel Lynch, man, that, that kid in his eyes, I thought he was going to break down. Like, you know, that gift Johnny made of the twins fan crying in the stands a couple of years yes. ago. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I thought of immediately when I saw Daniel Lynch get ready to get taken out of that game. That dude got shellacked. Well, you, mean, feel, you feel bad as you feel bad as a human, uh, you know, just out there looking at a kid who has just made the major leagues, right? Like he's, He's just in there, and he gets absolutely shellacked by this White Sox offense. That's just – that's so rough. Happy Buzz is my favorite buzz from uh, NWI Steve out there, uh, who was on the show last night. Um, I'm sure he'll be back next week. Uh, But we've got him in the YouTube uh, chat there. uh, For anybody else who's listening out there, wants to say hello to NWI Steve. He is present. He's in the house uh, here tonight on the YouTube chat. So say hello to Steve. Uh, Buzz – that the offense though tonight, man, the offense just in that first inning. I mean, the phone was blowing up. White Sox Twitter's blowing up. This is this is exactly what we like to see out of the White Sox offense at any given night. But just think about how much more dangerous that lineup looks like with two more big names in it. Like this this team, man, they have the ability to score runs at will. No, oh, absolutely. And when the bats get hot and the confidence is behind them. There's no stopping them, and especially with the again, I I know the offense exploded in the first and gave their starting pitcher and Lance Lynn a huge, huge cushion, almost an unbreakable cushion. Um, when the starting pitching has been performing like this, and the offense, if they can keep the bats going, obviously it's not going to happen all the time, but they're damn near unstoppable. They still have dangerous bats within this lineup. Steve and I talked about it a lot too when we did our Luis Robert, um, you know, injury episode that. It, it, it sucks to the fact that like he's going to be gone, but this offense still has talent and it still it can come up with hits and score runs. And that's what they've been doing. That's what they did tonight. You got two in a row against Kansas city already after a great outing from Rodana. I believe Nani and Steve did that episode yesterday. I mean, they had a great one to talk about. We have a great one to talk about the other way around too. Lynn pitched great, but the offense, it wasn't three runs. It was eight runs and it was quickly. And they had 12 hits on the day. No errors committed for the white Sox. Dude, I, I can't be any happier with how this game was played. I mean, came out, hopped on him right away, took advantage of the young pitcher, and, and that's it. You know, I, I can't I can't say anything else other than that. It was just absolutely fantastic. No, nothing I really want to bitch about. I do want to point out my pick to click Rondall tonight. Holy shit, bro. He walked four times, Tony. He walked four times. He he just walks, man, and he will he will continue to get on base. And I know that. He, he's not swinging a very hot bat at all, but he's getting on base at just an incredible rate. And does it really matter at the end of the day how you get on? If he continues to walk at that pace, we'll be just fine with Grandel. I do think that his offense will pick up here at some point. Not exactly sure what he's dealing with, but there's something that's nagging him right now. Yes, money Grandel, Johnny Nani <laughs> in the Periscope. Here it is. Yes, money grand out. Uh, you know, I, I think Johnny will will speak this into existence, as you like to say, Buzz, uh, that he will be back and he will have uh, uh, quite a few home runs uh, to show for it in good fashion. And I believe I believe we will get some yes, money grand out fireworks the first game that Johnny and I attend. I'm calling that one right now. Well, you know, Tony's a career 240 hitter. You know he's going to get up to it. I mean, at least damn near close. I mean, he's not going to be batting as bad as he's batting now. But if he's getting out on base, I, I believe the league average from what I read was uh, uh, on base percentage like 310 or something like that. And, and, and what is he at now, 363? Or 388 now, Tony. He's at 388. He's on base 38% of the time. And the guy is hitting 121. I mean, that's that's fucking nuts, dude. Right. <laughs> that's, really, that's, uh, not, that's not real. That's like video game shit. You right. know, like, like I don't know that, there's, that's not a real stat line that, that cannot be a real stat line. Buzz, let's, let's talk about uh, as we go through here, cause you can't really break this thing down any better than the White Sox murdered the fucking Royals in the first inning. Lance Lynn puts it on cruise control through his portion of the ball game. You turn it over to Michael Kopech and let the White Sox bullpen do some work. Again, another impressive uh, showing from Michael Kopech. Got himself in a little bit of trouble uh, and was able to work out of it. I like seeing that out of the kid. I mean, he just looks, at least to me, man, like one of the best arms, if not the best arm on the staff. Um, It's been a very, 
uh, triumphant return to the mound for him. Buzz, what are you what are you thinking about Kopech? I don't think you and I have had that conversation yet. How are you feeling? Oh, I love I love what I'm seeing out of Kopech, 100. percent I mean, he's he's been playing great ball. I mean, he's pitching great. I, I I have nothing against it. I did see with you know all the time within White Sox Twitter or even White Sox Facebook, which I'm really not a part of, but I see things that are always floating around there. If you log on for a moment and just check something, um, a lot of people were upset with Michael Kopech coming in today um, because they're like, why is he in right now when you have you know they should be saving him or something like that. Like kid needs innings. All right, man. Like just get him the innings and let him pitch, let him keep getting comfortable. And it is what it is. And I loved what I saw out of him. He, uh, he had a dirty ass slider, um, tonight. It was, it was a, for a strike too, but it was still dirty as shit. And you know, his fastballs obviously working. We like to, we like to call that, make it nasty over on four feathers pod. Oh, I made it. And nasty. if Johnny's, if Johnny's going to come out here and say, it's Michael Flopek. It's also got to be make it nasty, Michael Flopek, because I, I think Johnny will agree with that one. I think Johnny will agree with that one. It's it's make it nasty. Yeah, he pitched a great game, and I I absolutely love to see it. You know, and I when Kopech does well, it just brings like a a level of as weird as it sounds like comfort to me because like I know that the time that he's invested to be a good pitcher and the and the hope and the praise that fans have given him, most fans that is have given him even through his shit last year that he dealt with by opting out of the season, that it's all going to be worth it. And obviously this year he's showing it. Tony's got like a one, what is it? A one, six, one. I was right. Holy shit. He's got a one, six, one ERA. He, he does two innings of work today. He lets up three hits. I believe that was the triple to Dyson is that, is that he, he let that one up. Um, and, and then, you know, Dyson ends up scoring there and, and that was really it. He struck, he struck out one. He, he was under control. It was fine the whole time. He got a little touched up, but it wasn't anything horrible. And he and he got out of it. And I can't ask for anything better for somebody coming out of our bullpen like that. You know, we've seen him in a spot start. We've seen him in relief this year, just kicking major ass. And I'll take it all day long. Yeah, dude. I mean, the thing with Michael Kopech, at least that's most impressive to me, is that he looks so calm and and just collected on the mound. For somebody who's who's gone through some of the, you know, uh, issues that he's had in the clubhouse before, just the the mental health stuff that he's had going on in his life. He looks absolutely past most of that and looks absolutely phenomenal when he's out there. He looks more collected than when he did when he first came up uh, to the big leagues, Buzz. And man, it's just, it's a different tone about him. It, there's a, just a different tone about him. And I thought, at least for me, with him coming back here, there was going to be an adjustment period for Michael Kopech and at least some clawing back into this uh, rotation slash bullpen mix uh, and that he would have to start the year in the minors. I, I really thought that he was going to have to get and earn his way back onto this ball club. And right now he is one of the most impressive pitchers on it. So uh, it, he looks dangerous, man. He is. He looks very dangerous. I mean, if you go back in early episodes of Socks on Tap, I was along your line of thinking. I, I didn't think he'd start the season w- with the club. You know, I, di- I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought they, they were going to try to break him in and Charlotte a little bit, maybe call him up when, you know, maybe August, maybe September, something like that, bring him on up. But the fact that he's here now and the fact that he's available and they're using him how they're using him and he's performing the way he's performing shows that it was a great move by the White Sox just to have him here. I think that does a lot for somebody psyche too. You know, him being, he knows what kind of stuff he has, just mm-hmm. like we know what kind of stuff he has. There's no reason he should be down there. He should be here contributing on the major league level, and that's what you're seeing now, and it's been awesome. He's been lights out, and I I couldn't be happier for the kid. You know, another guy I'm happy for tonight too, man, is Matt Foster. Like, he he pitched pretty good tonight too, man. One inning, one hit, one strikeout, 15 pitches. He looked good. He looked good. Foster's another guy that just came into this bullpen uh, last year and made a name for himself, and – like he he wasn't a guy uh, buzz that like people really spoke highly of. I mean, if you get down deep into the you know future Sox accounts of the world that cover the minor leagues day in and day out, yes, there were people that would would talk or write about Matt Foster here and there, but he was not a big name like that made his way into the everyday White Sox fans radar list for coming up on the, onto this ball club. I mean, you're. You're talking about, you know, you know, the Luis Roberts, Eloy Jimenez is 
the Michael Kopechs of the world, all these guys that the common White Sox fan knew was coming to this team. Matt Foster was not on that list. Um, and so far, you've seen him be a reliable bullpen piece down the stretch in the shortened season. And, and so far this year, you know, getting himself into the mix here as well and becoming another late inning option. Um, it's it's just another arm that the White Sox have found uh, that's been successful at the big leagues. And we're not even talking about a bullpen uh, that includes some other guys that are going to make their way back onto it, like Jace Fry, one of, another one of Johnny's favorites. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you know, like it's kind of cool, like two nights in a row, though it was Nani and Steve last night talking about bullpen because like Aaron Bummer and Cody Hoyer pitched pretty well last night, you know, and then you come into tonight and you have Kopech Foster and uh, uh, Evan Marshall who, who pitched good tonight as well. And it's just nice to see because consistency is key. You know, the talents there, you saw what they did last year. Consistency is key. And I, this is when you kind of have that turnaround. The starting pitching has been lights out. If the bullpen can even be, Half of, you know, a little bit more than half, I'll say, because I don't want to sound like, a, you know, I'm not going to, you know, but like if they could be up to par with, with, with the starting pitching, you know, what I'm getting at like it's going to be absolutely terrifying for teams to see this pitching staff. And we knew the pitching yeah. staff would be good. But I think when we were coming into the season, we we're like, oh, man, these bats, you know, what before Eloy got hurt, well, Luis Robert, well, you know, I'd argue with you, though, that there were a lot of people coming into this season thinking that the bullpen was going to be the weapon. We talked about it even on our preview show here, oh, the did, ability yeah. to the ability for this team to shorten ball games, And what you've seen kind of evolve out of this is kind of like bullpen mix a um, where you go Kopech uh, to, you know, you can get them to Hendricks. If you've got a starter that goes seven innings, you go to Kopech and that's the bridge. Then you've got another route that you can go with, you know, either Aaron Bummer and Matt Foster, you know, insert your guy, but you've got then, you know, mix C where you've got a guy like Evan Marshall who could be that eighth inning guy and what's your bridge to him. So they've Garrett they've, Crochet. Garrett Crochet is another one that's in there. It could be a seventh, eighth inning guy. So you've got so many options to get in there, and it's the perfect complement to the starting pitching. I thought that, you know, in the beginning of the year, the bullpen was going to be able to help dig this team out of games where their starter can only get through three and four. And what I've somewhat realized early on here is that that taxes all of those different avenues that you have to get to your closer. And that's what we saw with the White Sox struggling with early on this year was that those options that they have right now and you've seen work over the past few days were not there because of how heavily they were relied upon early on this season. And this is the this is the type of bullpen that's really dangerous because it doesn't matter what when you've got your Aaron Bummer who's tired because you can go to Evan Marshall, you can go to Michael Kopech, and you've got that mix to get to inning nine. That's what makes it dangerous. Well, right. I, I more so was talking about the back end of the starting rotation with Rodon and Cease and, you know, how they've been before. Obviously, Carlos Rodon has just been – I, I don't even know. I mean, I put out a tweet that he's the best pitcher in the MLB. I don't give a shit. People put DeGrom under my shit when I said that. I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm going – I'm a homer, and it says it in our in our preview that you made. You are a homer. Can <laughs> confirm. You I'm are fucking, a homer. I'm a fucking homer when it comes to the Sox. Like, you know, but seeing what Cease and Rodon have been doing and everything like that, you know – I always thought like the biggest thing coming into the season for me before Eloy got hurt, I was like, our lineup is just dangerous from, I, I felt like one through nine, even with Vaughn. And and I'll tell you a guy who that I think, I, I know we're bridging, I just go everywhere all the time. I've been drinking shocker. I know. Um, but you know, like Andrew Vaughn, that, that dude's going to, a homer is coming. It, it is coming. He's starting to fucking it, tear the cover. Coming? Yes. Is it coming? I feel it coming too, man. Like he's hitting it square. He's got the prettiest swing, man. It just it looks like it's all together. Is this a byproduct of the dead baseball buzz? I don't know. I, he's getting unlucky at this point. The way he's he's squaring like these things guys. up. I feel like a couple guys tonight got unlucky. I thought a Bray you got. I thought that double that he had and what was at the top of the ninth. I thought that I did. I thought it was gone. I, I did when it came off. I think a Bray like, thought it was gone. Yeah, I was like that's fucking gone. You know, that's done. It's gone. I thought the one that, that uh, Larry jumped for was gone. Yeah, me, yeah. Like I, there, that I mean, it was too. both sides. It was both sides. There's been a lot of balls that have been hit this year that, uh, you know, are those, you know, typical easy home runs that I feel like in the last two, three years would just soar over the fence. But we all feel like Cubs fans screaming every fly ball that's hit like that, and they're just dying right there on the warning track every single time. Shout out Jock Peterson. Yeah. 
you know, like tonight, man, I got to listen to the game on the uh, radio. Like I, it was, you know, it was a decent day outside. The weather was good in the beginning part of the day here um, in the Southwest burbs. And then, you know, uh, I had a fire in the backyard, was doing shit outside and I got to turn on Connor McKnight and DJ and I was just listening to the game and, and that first inning and just like across the whole thing, like, I feel like our optimism is really shining through, at least mine I know for sure is right now, is just of, of how the team performed and how everything kind of went to plan for them. And, and it was just an awesome Tony, game. Tony LaRusso had that plan for him. Oh no! You're gonna get in trouble, man. I'm not gonna get in trouble. You're gonna get in trouble. You're gonna no, get... I just, I'm just, I'm just curious where you're at with this because two days ago, and I, I want to ask. I just want to ask because I'm gonna, I'm gonna poke the bear. Two what? days ago, everybody wanted this man fired, and you know, obviously the offense comes and performs. Mm-hmm. But I, if there's one thing that grinds my gears right now, it's that every time this team loses, we're firing the manager, and then every time this team wins. It's, oh, my God, the players on the field performed. Mm-hmm. And so I, I know that this offense has You're looking the ability. For some middle ground. No, I'm, I'm not looking for middle ground. I'm looking for people to realize that this team has the ability to put up eight runs in an inning on any given night because of the way this thing's built. I, and so I, I have to say real quick uh, when you're talking about because I put out a tweet like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much done with them and I am, and I still am. And I'm going to tell you why I didn't really like it in the first place. And I, I told you why a million times the due diligence of it. If that was Jerry's guy, it was Jerry's guy. I felt like Rick Hahn was under undercut, which I don't like period because Jerry, it's a story of my life, man. I mean, I know you're not, a, I know you watch basketball and you were betting on it and we were having fun talking about it when the bulls were actually kind of halfway there. This is what Jerry does. I mean, it's these, it's these things. And the, the interview, when it came to the rule, Johnny and I were talking about it. Cause we did the post game that night after all that shit went down and Johnny's like, well, I didn't know the rule either. And I was like, well, Johnny, it's not your job to know the fucking rule. It's not your job. And I didn't, I didn't like that. And I didn't like the smugness after when he was talking to what's that guy's name from the athletic. I always forget James Fegan, right? That's his name. I, I I was just completely blown away by the smugness of it. And I was like, dude, man, like for real, like, don't, don't, don't be like that. I, you're, you're no, I don't care if you're a hall of fame guy. I don't give a fuck about any of that. Like don't be smug and be an asshole when so you've come gonna, out like four times and apologize for stupid shit. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go back and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you one thing. Do, do you remember when Ozzie Guillen managed the White Sox? Absolutely. Okay. One of the, one of the things that I've heard Ozzie speak of uh, all the time was that his ability to take the onus off of the players with the media and and not throw anybody under the bus and and make himself a distraction for the team was the best thing that he could do for them. And that's what he did day in and day out was put the onus on Ozzie Guillen. He made himself, himself. he made himself the the spectacle. He made himself the villain for things. He was very vocal about it. He was a leader. It's it's critical for that manager to be that guy who is there for his team, who's there for his players, who's you know taking that attention away from them. So here's my tinfoil hat theory, and I'm just going to put this in a spin zone real quick. Can you make one? Yes. Because we say that a lot. We need to make some. Make a tinfoil hat. I'm going to get a tinfoil hat, and, and I'll put it on when I do these. But okay, here's, my, here's my tinfoil hat spin zone Saturday night. Uh, theory time. It Tony Larusa, maybe he did not make that call for Lurie Garcia to steal. Maybe he didn't make that call. Maybe he did know the rule and didn't give a shit about it. He thought what he was doing was best for the team. Tony Larusa knows he's walking in to the media, and he's going to get thrown to the wolves. I mean, he's not a dumb guy. Buzz, let's 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 throw that out the window. Tony Larusa is not dumb. The guy's very very smart. Oh, yeah. I never he's got a Twitter done. account. He's got people in his ear. He's not a dumb guy. I think a lot of people make Tony LaRusse out to be this dumb guy okay. who's drunk 24-7. I think a lot of people make him out to be this drunk guy because that's what's cool to do online. You get a few extra Twitter likes from it. I think a lot of people think that. Now, Tony LaRusse goes into the media, says some shit, You know, says that he'd send Lurie again, 
Because what's what's the what's the other option here? You say that Lurie Garcia decided to to steal on his own, and that was bad, and that you're going to talk to him, knowing what's going on in in White Sox Twitter and in the media and everything else, where people are calling for Lurie Garcia's head already. Why put that extra player, or why put that extra pressure on Lurie Garcia when you could say, as Tony Russo, it doesn't affect you mentally day to day. What does he have to lose here? But it affects his player who's playing the game. No, and so I look at I look at what Tony La Russa did, man, and and look how this team's playing. Two days later, he took all the pressure off this team. He took the fault. And so while guys want to go sit there and say, well, Tony La Russa said five times already this season that it was his fault that we lost these games, and maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. None of those players feel that pressure right now on this White Sox team, and I think he's done a fucking masterful job of fucking everybody out thinking. Let's put all the hate on this guy. Let's take all the pressure off of this team. And that's what's going to be the key to success for a bunch of young guys. And I, I think he's smart enough to do that. Yeah, and I mean, nobody that's wants a, that's to think that. That's a formula for success. And you have a great point on saying that. You, you really do. Tony will prove it to me when I get a ring. I don't give a fuck. And that's just where I'm at. And obviously, I'm not going to get a ring, you know, before I get fucking killed that I'm not on the White Sox or anything. But <laughs> Johnny... <laughs> I'm sorry if you're not, if you're listening to this on the podcast. Johnny just said Tony losing followers by the second. Uh, God damn it, Johnny! I'm in a fucking middle of a thought. Hey man, just um, let it all out here. Socks yeah. on tap. Let's speak our yeah. minds. No, no, and it's absolutely. I mean, it's a fair point, and you could be right, and I could be off base for sure, hundred percent. But again, where I'm sitting right now, and after when Steve and I had talked, we all talked about you know because we have our little group chat that the socks on tap group chat. And everything like that. It was just more so along the lines for me is like, listen, we we know the injuries that happened to this team. You have two of the your best players that are out. You can't be affording to make stupid decisions to lose games right now. Now, thank God the Twins are a fucking dumpster fire. Shout out, Ted. Um, you know, and everything is going bad for them. I have lost two follows since that rant. Ted, are, are you serious? I'm I'm dead serious. <laughs> You're kidding? <laughs> wow. Okay, that's. I fucking hate Twitter, man. I, I just do. I do. I used. To, I used to like it. I. I, I don't know. I don't I'm not even kidding. Like I had to go look. I yeah, had to I go look. Oh, I'm glad you did because it, it. It's kind of fucking funny, actually. No, it makes for for a good podcast. Banter. It, it. It does. You know, and and what else makes for a good? Co- Again, I. I pretty much. I actually do agree, and 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 totally see your point. And you could be 100 percent right in that. I will say right now that that's not a way that I thought that maybe he'd handle it. So gaining a new perspective on it is kind of something to think about whether I agree or I don't I'm kind of in the middle on that. But if, if that's what it is, then Hey man, kudos straight up kudos. But you know, he did have the team, like you said, ready to play two days in a row here and they come out and they get a vic- uh, victory and they're in first place and they're doing their thing. And I, I love what I'm seeing and hopefully they can continue it going into tomorrow, bro. I'm hoping so too, man. Uh, you know, sweeps are cool and tough. Anytime you get to sweep Kansas city, uh, that's that's gold for me. If they I, lose I, tomorrow, I, Tone, isn't that eight in a row for them? I think that's eight in a row, and and that's what I wanted to see happen to Kansas City because there was a lot of people out there, even national media wise, who were like, "Oh, are the Kansas City Royals real? Maybe they're the team that can surprise." All this, bury them in the fucking bottom basement of the American League Central with the Tigers, because like the the Kansas City Royals winning the division this year just would have been a nightmare for everybody. Just bury them. <laughs> I don't care who beats them from the division, just bury them down unless it's Minnesota and we need a win or Cleveland and we need a win at, at late stages of the year. Right now it's time to bury Minnesota. I think tomorrow is going to be a real test for Lucas Giolito. This is this is my thing going in here. You've you, watched, beat, you beat me to it, man. You've watched, the the rest, you've watched the rest of this rotation get their job done. None of them have given up a fucking run. It's a lot of pressure on Lucas Giolito. I want to see him perform. One thing I noticed about Lucas Giolito tonight was not standing with the other three starting pitchers who were in the dugout joking around. I found that weird. Now, it's a nine-inning baseball game when the camera decides to pan on uh, you know, the group of starters all talking together, him not being there doesn't mean that he wasn't talking with them earlier or whatever. I just found it interesting that he wasn't there in what seemed like a lighthearted conversation. He seems to be the guy that uh, has faced the most adversity, mm-hmm. so to speak, yeah, uh, so sure. far this year. 
Um, you know, he's he's voiced his concerns, um, you know, about, you know, the time that Tony LaRusso left him in the game too long. Another tinfoil hat theory for everybody out there. Is he the one who leaked something to the media that there was growing frustrations about Tony LaRusso? Um, he seemed to be the only one that uh, eyed him down and, and spoke publicly uh, about anything wrong with a Tony LaRusso decision on the team. Um, I, I'm getting some weird vibes out of Lucas Giolito buzz. Things just don't seem to be going in his favor this year as much as they have in the past. Um, there's storylines about this guy, uh, you know, pitching last year just to James McCann. He seems to not have the same rapport that he had with McCann as he does or, or with uh, Zach Collins or Yasmani Grandal, not the same level of comfort. Um, tomorrow's a test for him. This team is rolling. Can he get on board? Yeah, I was talking to my brother-in-law about it tonight. He had uh, stopped by. As I've told you a couple times, you know, my father-in-law retired from being the mayor of the town that he's lived in forever. And, you know, we uh, went and did a little Starbucks thing for him. We all met at Starbucks on on 30 there. Oh, well, the people know where I live now. I don't give a shit. New Lenox, whatever, on 30 in Cedar. And, um, you know, I was talking to him about it there. And he came back to the house. And we were talking about Lucas Giolito. And he goes, you know, you know, this guy is active within social media. And I mean, he, he does his Twitch stuff. You know, he's on Twitter. His dad is obviously on Twitter, um, you know, and, and all this. And he goes, I wonder if like that extension stuff was getting into his mind. I know we have a, what was it, two years or something like that away from that? Or was it three? It was two or three, I think. But he, he was like, I wonder if like that's something that's in the back of his head right now, because he has been the ace in twenty nine in 2019 mm -hmm. and 2020. He's been the guy that if you were bleeding, Lucas Giolito was stopping the bleeding. You know, he he would come in and he'd give you a good outing. And that that's what it was this year. It's obviously hasn't been like that. And to your point and building off of it, the maybe not I don't want to say concern, but watching his fellow starting pitchers on this staff completely mow down anybody that gets in their way and and Dallas Keuchel who struggled earlier in, in in the first part like obviously it's still the first part of the season but his first couple starts and he comes out and has a masterful outing I mean maybe that is something that's getting to him and and the last time we really heard anything is when he was left in too long and that was a big storyline so mm -hmm. your tinfoil hat you might need to actually toss that to the side and be like god damn man maybe that is something that happened maybe that could be a yeah. solid opinion on something that actually took place you know, when, do you want to do you want to travel? Do you want to travel further down tinfoil hat Tony theories oh, for a I'm, second? Oh, dude! I mean, it's what is it? Ten oh eight on a Saturday night, and we're inside. So yeah, go ahead. I ain't got nothing else to do. Kids are sleeping. So, so <laughs> did, did, I, I feel like there's one reason that Lucas Giolito hasn't signed the extension yet with the White Sox. Do you think it's because he? he's looking for that payday and he believes in his stuff to keep making that paycheck go up. That's I mean, that's a, that's a valid point, but I think the White Sox know something about Lucas Giolito and that Lucas Giolito needs everything kind of laid out for him on a silver platter in order to be a successful pitcher. You saw him with James McCann be really, really comfortable. Like you, you get to that point with a personal catcher before you're even a bona fide ace. You, you, you definitely need some help there. And there was questions about this guy mentally. Is he going to be able to mentally get himself ready to pitch every day? Is he going to be able to get up over these humps? Johnny, more followers are about to drop. There it is. More followers are about to These are tinfoil hat theories. So my tinfoil hat theory is that it the doesn't White mean Sox you necessarily believe it. It's just something, uh, something that a you have a thought hat of. Right. It's a tinfoil hat theory. The reason the White Sox haven't come to a contract resolution with Lucas Giolito yet is because they know that he needs everything out there in a silver platter to perform. He's a risk. He is a risk to perform long-term. We've already seen a little bit of some trouble here. The stuff's there. The stuff's there. I'm not arguing the stuff. He's got awesome stuff. But the, the ability to be that ace worthy of an extension for that type of money uh, would require laying things out for him. So the reason that they brought in cats in the offseason was to keep Lucas Giolito comfortable through the remainder of his contract here and help try and bridge that extension to keep him comfortable because they knew they were not bringing James McCann back. So that's why they got themselves rid of Don Cooper because they knew that Lucas Giolito needed somebody here with him in his ear to keep him comfortable, providing the same value that James McCann was last year. 
that's my tinfoil hat theory for the night. It's a hell of a tinfoil hat theory. Um, I usually don't go far that way um, in tinfoil hat theories. Uh, I, I very minimum, you know, I think a mine are minimal. Usually I, I usually have the meatball takes of the group. I'd like to think, but um, you know, I, my, well, you are thing, the Homer, right? I am the Homer. I, I get it. I'm a fucking Homer. What can I say? But you know, I, when it comes to Lucas Giolito, I, the stuff is there. I, the mindset thing, I watched what he did in Oakland and I thought that it was absolutely masterful. I'm still a huge believer in him. Um, I was from the beginning of Lucas Giolito. If you go back to early outcast episodes in my past life, you know, I, I've always, I've always liked him. I always thought that he had good stuff. Um, I will say to your point though, I could understand why that would be a tinfoil hat theory. And in my mind, if one of the points that you brought up within that theory is that he needs to be a hundred percent comfortable. Like you had brought up the personal catcher thing. Um, I mean, the you're dude, not an, the, you're not an ace if you can't, pitch to anybody and that's, the dude, that's just my opinion. Out, the dude tweeted out before he made a start in boston that he's not a morning guy like there's so many red flags here for me like if i if i really take the tinfoil hat away well, would you there's, agree there's with some my point? there's some red flags yeah i agree with your point yeah like and i think I, I didn't mean that in a mean way it came off as a dickish i didn't mean that, that like that i was like would you would you agree with the point that i made like you're not an ace if yeah you no you're pitch. not yeah, you're I mean, not. The ace is the guy that comes in there, and it doesn't matter who the fucking catcher is because you're cool and tough, and you know your shit's gonna get gonna be there every single day. That's the ace. That's what Carlos fucking Rodon looks like right now. Yeah. Lucas Giolito to me right now, Jordan Lazowski's gonna fucking like come to my house and probably like throw a rock through my window tonight. Uh, <laughs> Lucas Giolito right now looks fucking lost, man. I, he looks he'll like a big, he looks like my dog, man. Like my dog. Needs a fucking blanket on the floor. He's not going to lay down. He like prances around. Where's my blanket so I can lay down? Because he's a little, he, he just needs his blanket to be comfortable. That's what Lucas Giolito looks like right now. He doesn't look yeah. like an ace. He looks like my dog. Well, I, he also may, again, he's struggling a little bit. I think that his ace shit's coming. I, I think it starts tomorrow. I really do. Um, but it, I think it's heightened even more right now with how well the starting pitching has been performing. Um, and I think it's even heightened for, you know, somebody like what you've brought up right now. I'm sure there's a million other people that think like you right now. Um, I think that's probably a, a huge issue and something that's causing stir with, within his name and with his name is that you have a guy like Carlos Rodon. You have a guy like Dylan Cease who who's kind of figuring it out. You have a guy like Lance Lynn, who's a fucking bulldog. You have a guy like Dallas Keuchel that has pedigree and, and turned his last start around and, and he looked flawless. You know, I mean, that's probably heightening all of these concerns for fans. But at the same time, I, I know what he's been for the last two years, and I hate when people take the 2020 thing with the schedule with him. Um, he did it in 2019, too. So, <laughs> you know, so there, there's a fucking reason that he was in top Cy Young voting two years mm -hmm. in a row. Um, and, you know, I just – I'm really hoping it's not a head thing, and I'm really hoping he can just kind of bounce back real quick and, and, and turn it around and get on par with everybody else. But, again, the concerns that you bring, I think, are valid. I can go through numbers and projections and all that shit, but I'm not going to do that because I, in my mind, it's a mindset thing with him and hopefully he could figure it out. And tomorrow he's got a great opportunity to do it because if he lets up a, a run, Tony, <laughs> he's the oh, first you know, it's just starter. Gonna get, it's just going to get in his head. That's just going to get yeah, like, and that's the thing too, man. Like it's, First off, like if you're Tony LaRusso, you're sitting there, you've, you've got to go to Lucas and be like, all right, so who are you comfortable throwing to tomorrow? Like that shouldn't even be a conversation. No, it should be Yasmani Grandal. It should be Yasmani Grandal, and I, that's nothing to say against Zach Collins. Is oh no, has been, no, yeah, he's been. But good. dude, I I was listening to like ESPN Radio today, man. I was listening to ESPN Radio. I was going to pick up Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm sitting there. I forget who was on, but they were talking about how Zach Collins's bat should be in the lineup more than Yasmani Grandal right now. And what do you do because? Yasmani uh, Grandal is struggling so bad. I don't agree and with that. Zach Collins' bat has been so great. And I'm like, he hit like one home run. He's hitting marginally better than Yasmani Grandal. And every time Yasmani Grandal comes up, you're you're driving a pitch count to at – the pitch count on that is going up by at least five pitches pretty much for the most part every single time. And he winds up on base. 
So no, wh- I, why is this a question? Also, like I'm not even going to get like the money is the third thing. But like number two to that is he's just a better defensive catcher. Yes, he's had some really frustrating moments. Like the catcher's interference shit. He's had some he's had some really bad frames lately, but like you can't that, that's kind of gone away a little bit. I think the importance of the framing seems to have I don't know, just because the umpire zones are so fucking all over the place that the framing it feels like doesn't even matter sometimes. Um like it, it, he's just the better baseball player overall. Yasmani Grandal in your lineup is better than Zach Collins in your lineup for the team. That's just, I'm, I'm going back to that every time. No, I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Like I said, when, as soon as you said that, I didn't agree with it. I, I Yasmani Grandal's walking at a clip, you know, that bat's going to wake up and it doesn't benefit him by putting him on the bench to Zach Collins on a consistent basis because he's the better baseball player. And per his career, he has been the better baseball player. And I don't think he's really on a decline either. I think he's struggling to start the season. There might've been this injury. They said something with his leg. Is that correct? I believe it was something with a leg. You know, he had an issue there. Yeah. There's something, there's something not completely right with them and it's nagging, but it's not serious enough to keep him out. Right. I mean, the only thing that I could think of, of, Besides, you know me, I've been advocating for Vaughn all year, and I wanted him playing a lot more. Um, and and you know, not thankfully, but with you know, obviously Eloy and 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 even he was out in the beginning of the year, but Luis Robert going down, you you're forced to have Andrew Vaughn in left field most of the time. But there was a really awesome tweet that was put out today by Matt Berklin that he put on his tweet. He was just like, if Danny Mendick is gonna be in right field and gonna play right field, there's no reason he needs to be replaced with Jake Lamb at all, ever. In, in a lineup, he should be getting more playing time. Not that Lamb – I don't think Lamb's played in right field. I think he's been at third at first and at left this season so far. Yeah, but, but I, if you you could then shift Mendick and and Eaton. Eaton can go play – or fuck, put Eaton in center, shift Lurie over to left. Don't, like, don't, it works. It works that way. You can't say that. Because if Steve's in here, he's going to punch you in the fucking throat. No, I, I, know. I, I, said, I said that on the show. He told me dude, no. <laughs> dude, dude, let's be honest about Ludwig Garcia for a second here. Everybody wants to hate on him because he's just – the, the, the he's. But here's the thing. He's the least talented of a fucking real put-together 25-man roster that's broken down at this point in time. Here he comes at me, Tony. <laughs> I told like, you he's got punch and throw. Yeah. Mm, what is I've 24 given, inch pythons? Yeah, no, I've given him a good cigar before. <laughs> well, he'll get over it. Um, you know, dude, people want to get big mad online about Lurie Garcia when he's the 25, he's the 25th man or the 26th man on the roster who's filling in and on a team that has been decimated by two major injuries. And that's why you have him there. He's not going to be the greatest player, but he's good enough to come through. And he's come through for this team multiple fucking times. That's why he's there. That's yeah, Lurie Garcia. I agree. Johnny, I agree. wave the fucking jersey. Let's go. Absolutely agree with that. Absolutely agree with that sentiment. I, I, I love Bill I'm Walton would be a, Bill Walton would be a big Lurie Garcia guy if he got to call another game. I think Bill Walton would be fun on socks on tap because we could just talk about the stars together. I think it'd be a really, really good time. Um, but we're going to move into tomorrow's matchup, my friend. We got the Kansas City Royals again. This will be the last game of the series because it's three games set against the White Sox here. It starts at 1.10 p.m. Central. I do want to let everybody know we came to a, a conclusion here at the Sox on Tap crew. We will not be recording tomorrow for Mother's Day. Spend time with either our moms or our wives or whatever. So we won't be on tomorrow, but we will be back on Monday. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, moms, tomorrow- moms are cool and tough. Can we come to that agreement, Buzz? Yes, yes, we, we, yes. We can come to that agreement. Uh, the Sox have Lucas going out there, one and three, four point nine nine ERA, thirty and two third innings pitch. He's let up twenty seven hits. He struck out forty one. He's walked thirteen. He's let up six home runs. He's going up against Mike Miner, left handed pitcher Mike Miner, two and one with a five point two three ERA, thirty one innings pitch, let up twenty eight hits, struck out thirty. He's also walked thirteen, and he's also let up six home runs. So that is the pitching matchup tomorrow you touched on lucas a lot so i touched on lucas (laughs) i touched on lucas enough i touched on lucas enough this should be another white Sox winner we should be walking out of here with a sweep 
No excuses. Left-handed bat. Yep, left-handed bat against a guy who hasn't been super consistent this year, even though, again, he's sitting at two and one. But, you know. Yeah, this should be another win. Go bury bury Kansas City where they belong. I love all the the tweets that I see after, uh, you know, we beat Kansas City. And, you know, people just getting those replies because the whole the whole brawl and the Tim Anderson thing, people love to get in Kansas City's replies. I love it. I love seeing that. I want to continue that tomorrow. I want more more victory beers. I know we won't be on a postgame buzz, but I, I think Jose Abreu is going deep tomorrow. I'm taking him as my pick to click. I think he's I think he's hitting the long ball. Uh, there's going to be some rain before this game, possible delay action uh, if uh, – if anything lingers there, but even though it's going to cool off, I think this is a Jose Abreu game. Yeah. I'm going to take Andrew Vaughn as my pick to click tomorrow, man. He's tearing the cover off the ball. He's hitting it. He's squaring up. Like you said earlier, uh, I'm going to take him. He gets his first major league home run tomorrow. And Andrew Vaughn's my pick to click. I hope you get that. I've tried that strategy once before the bold strategy. Um, I hope you get that because I want to see Andrew Vaughn get that first one out of the way. Because I think they're going to come in bunches but for him. It, exactly. That's what I think, too. Once he mm-hmm. gets the monkey off his back, I think it's they're going to start coming. I think that he, you know, I mean, he's already Im- improving at the plate before our very eyes. He, you know, he's got a great eye on him. He's hitting the ball hard, squaring up. Everything that he's been doing recently, I, what, I like what, him. What, what can we do to get him over the hump, though, Buzz? As socks on tap, like, what, what, what can you do personally? You're taking him tomorrow. Are you going to do, like, some Vaughn shots? Every time he comes up to the plate, you're doing a shot till he hits home run? Yeah, I could do that. I don't mind. I don't mind doing that. Well, I don't see tomorrow's Mother's Day. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, I, yeah. I don't know if I could. I could do that. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put you in a bind there. Yeah, I, I don't think I could do that. Um, Jamie will allow it. You think so? Yeah, I think Jamie will allow it. Oh man, I don't know. Maybe if, if the game's delayed and I'm home from everything that I have to do, I could sneak down here real quick and maybe there we go. Know, creek water shots. Creek for, water shots. For man. Yeah, absolutely. Creek water shots for Vaughn. I, I like that. But you know, like I said, man, tomorrow I, I just have a good feeling about it. Johnny's gonna hashtag vape for Vaughn. I like that one. Vape oh, for okay. Vaughn. Okay, I could do that too. I have no problem doing that either. Um I just, I, like I said, Tony's just been tearing the cover off the ball. He's hitting the ball. He hard. is. He is. It, it, I it's got to be tomorrow. It's got to be tomorrow against the left-handed pitcher, and no one better than Mike Miner for him to crush one off of. Mm-hmm. So that that's my pick to click. Um, obviously, in the group chat, we'll get it from Johnny and Steve probably tomorrow before Johnny puts out the tweet. That God, he forgot to put out the tweet the other day when I took Billy Hamilton. What a fucking moron I am, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just try, I'm trying to speak good things into existence, you know. And, and- hey, sometimes you got to do that, man. Sometimes you got to just – you got to try. I took Mendick today. Actually, the, the reason I took Danny Mendick is I, I was looking at the group chat and I, I, I looked at Jen. I've got to give her some credit. I'm like, who who's gonna do who's gonna do good today? She's like, Mendick. I'm like, all right, fine, fuck it. I'm rolling with it. Cause I respect her baseball opinion. Okay. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take Mendick with you. Cause normally nine times out of ten, I have no idea who to pick because I don't want to go with the with the Abreu every time. So I'm I'm going Abreu right now just because that's the easy one to go with. Sometimes you just gotta you, you can't think for yourself here. You've gotta let the let the vibes flow. And she's like, hey man, just take Mendic. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm taking it. First inning home run. Shit works out that way. I love I love when it works out that way. Oh, you have to. I mean, you absolutely have to. And I'm looking at uh Vaughn's horoscope, so you know it's it's pretty good. I you're getting way too deep. Well, what? Do you know I do the horoscope? Shit? I know you Please. do the horoscope thing, but you're getting way too deep in it when you're looking at the players' horoscopes to see how they're going to do. What, what? Uh, now I've got to have you read it, though. It's very long. Do you, do you, do you want me to read it? I mean, I I mean give me the highlights. Is he going to have a good day yeah, via, gonna, via buzz yeah. terms here? Yeah. The, bu- the buzz-a-scope. It, it's the buzz-scope. He's going to have a good day. He's going to have a good day tomorrow, man. It, it's – He's he's listened to everybody carefully. He's gonna he he's gonna he's gonna make it sting. That's what he's gonna do, man. It's, it's, he's gonna make it sting. Yes, I, I got the horoscope pulled up here on daily horoscope. He's gonna he's gonna hit a home run tomorrow. I feel it. I feel it in my bones, man. I feel it in the juju, the juju, the vibes, the whatever it is. Yeah, doesn't matter how you get there. All right, you've got you've got Vaughn tomorrow. I've got a Brayu. We'll see what the other guys pick. 
We'll be back. What are they? Uh, are they playing on Monday, Buzz? I haven't yeah. looked at the extended schedule. I know we're off tomorrow. Um, they're playing Monday. Yep. Who do we got Monday? Monday is going to be – one second. Let me fucking pull it back up because I closed it out. Uh, Monday is going to be – well, we're Kansas City tomorrow, obviously. Uh, Monday's going to be the tw- – oh, no, I'm sorry. They're off Monday. I apologize. That's what I thought. Tuesday. You know, I had saw they're playing like 68 games in 76 days, so I thought they were playing Monday. That's my bad. But they start against Minnesota on Tuesday. Minnesota on Tuesday. Steve's favorite series. Yeah. So we'll be back Tuesday. Uh, the beers have been flowing. I didn't have that that information readily available. Buzz went with best guess. And best horoscope. Of, and horoscope. <laughs> He's got the horoscope up before before the schedule. And we know we know the we needed the horoscope for tomorrow, though. All right, so Twins Tuesday, we'll be back. Uh, we might get another show in uh, at some point on Monday if any news breaks or uh, we feel like getting back on the mic for anything. But uh, if not, you'll hear another post-game show Tuesday against the Twins. Uh, I would guess NWI Steve will have some words about that that will be delivered either through uh, this platform or via uh, his publicist, Johnny Nani through the Sox on Tap account. Um, so if you need to hear his thoughts about the upcoming series about the Twins – Keep your eyes tuned to Socks on Tap. Buzz, close it down how you always do. I know we went a little extra long, but it was Saturday. We had fun with this show. Yeah, this was awesome. Socks win, win 9-1. This was a blast. I went into some deep tinfoil hat theories. Uh, we discussed some things. Uh, we had a good time, Buzz. It was a I, good got time. To, I got to read a horoscope. I mean, it was yeah, great. You, got, you read a horoscope. Uh, this one went off the rails a little bit, just like the White Sox offense. Buzz, close it down. Everybody be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at Socks on Tap, at Ontap Sportsnet. Following Tony at Tony on Tap and me at Buzz on Tap. Anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can listen to us, five-star rating and review because that's cool and tough. And if you need any White Sox apparel, Chicago sports apparel in general, go to Grandstand. Follow them on socials at Grandstand Socks or go to GrandstandSocks.com. If you're at the ballpark, stop by. Tell them that Socks on Tap sent you. We'll be back Tuesday or Monday if we feel like recording. Who knows what's happening, but we'll definitely be back Tuesday. White Sox forever. White Sox forever.